Well, it'd be my joy if you would join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I love the definition that Chase prayed a minute ago where he said that evangelism is simply sharing the gospel with the aim to persuade. Sharing the gospel with the aim to persuade. And the truth is, we can't share the gospel without God's help in sharing the gospel, without God working through us. And, and we won't want to share the gospel, as we learned last week, without God first doing something in our hearts, filling us with true fear of the Lord, with, with the love of Christ. But we learn, even from the gospel, that we would never share the gospel if the gospel hasn't first saved us changed us, radically changed our hearts. And that's what we're going to learn about this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We read this beginning in verse 16. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us today. That, that by your power you would do what we cannot do, Lord. That, that by your power, Lord, you would take even people here this morning who don't know you as Savior and as Lord and as King, that you would, Lord, draw their hearts to yourself, that they might love you, that they might know you as friend. And Lord, we pray for those who have been made a new creation, for those who are already reconciled to you, Lord, that you would embolden them, empower them to be ambassadors for you, that, that they would see that that's their purpose as believers, to be ambassadors and to share this good news with others, to, to share the good news of the gospel with the aim to persuade. Lord, would you help us do this? Lord, would you fill your church up with your spirit, with ambassadors, so that more people in Bowling Green would know Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was in fourth grade, I got my first pair of glasses. 
My elementary school gave those vision tests, you know, where they make sure that you can see the board. And I must have been like nearly blind because I think my mom was filled with guilt and we're like, we got to take him. He must have not seen anything since he's been in school. And so we went to the doctor immediately. And I still remember walking back into my fourth grade classroom the next day, Miss Cole's class in fourth grade. And I remember asking the girl I had a crush on, hey, what do you think about my, my new glasses? And she said, I like them. And I must have really believed her because I wore those same glasses from like fourth grade to like I was 17. I was like, man, the girl, she liked them. I'm going to stick with them. But, but getting a new pair of glasses literally changed everything in my life. It changed how I saw the board in class. I could actually see if they were numbers or letters. It changed how I saw my teacher how I saw my classmates and engaged them on the playground, how I even played sports. I got a little better, not much better, but I got a little better. And I guess my parents thought it was normal that I watched cartoons like 12 inches from the TV. Like, why is he so close to the TV? I don't know. It's because I couldn't see anything. Well, the same is true for those when you first believe the gospel. It literally changes everything. When, when we first receive these new gospel lenses, when we see life through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, everything changes. I mean, it changes how we see and savor this one that people have been talking about named Jesus, who's now my Savior and my Lord and my King. It changes how we see the world around us. How we see those who right now have no hope in Jesus. And if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in hell. It changes how we see people. And it changes even how we see ourselves. It changes why we are here on earth. Like what's our purpose in the world? What does God have for us as Christians? See, every single person in here and every single person in the world has a worldview. Everybody in here and everybody in the world has a way that we see the world around us and the way we, what we believe about the world around us. And I would argue that without Christ, we don't see things in 2020. Without seeing the world through the lens of Jesus Christ who holds all things together, everything's really fuzzy. Everything's really blurry about what, how we should see the world. But when we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, things start to get clearer. Maybe you can think about your life before Christ and your life after Christ and how you see things totally differently because of Jesus. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. The gospel, remember we heard last week, first takes root in our hearts, where we're filled with the right kind of fear, where we fear the Lord as our King. But then also, it fills us with the right kind of love, where, where the love of Christ now controls us. 
Well, after God starts working in our hearts, the next thing that happens is it should bear fruit in our lives. The gospel lenses now should change how we see others and how we see ourselves and even how we speak to people around us. So that's what I want us to see. The the first thing I want us to see is that the gospel changes how we see people or it should change how we see people. Because of what the love of Christ has done in our hearts, because the Holy Spirit and, and the gospel has done LASIK surgery to our hearts, we now see everybody we come across differently. Paul says this in the first verse, in verse 16, from now on, or, or since the love of Christ controls us now, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Paul says we don't look at people like we used to. If he was here today, he's like, we we don't go to Walmart and see people like we used to. We don't walk around Western's campus and see people like we used to. We don't go to work and see our coworkers or our neighbors next to our house like we used to. Why? Because of the gospel. We don't judge people based on their physical features, or we don't look at people based on their outward appearance. Paul says we used to do that all the time, but because of Jesus, all of this has changed. In fact, he says, did you notice he said, I even used to do this with Jesus. If you remember, Paul was the person who had Christians killed because they were followers of Christ. When he was Saul, and Paul says, I used to see Christ even as a a self-appointed rebel who was against Rome, who wanted to overthrow the rulers of the land. But now he's the Christ. Now I see him as my king. Now I see him as my Lord, and all my life is submitted to him. In the same way, Paul says, we used to judge people by what was on the outside. We would see people and we would place them instantly in categories. Maybe you do that today. You see someone and you instantly judge them. Paul says, I used to see people and it was like Jew or are they a Gentile? Are they rich or are they poor? Are they slave or free? Are they, are they an educated religious scribe or are they uneducated and common? Sadly, we still do that today, don't we? Are they white or are they black? Are they Republican? Are they Democrat? Are they American or are they a refugee? Are they in this tribe or that tribe? Are are they a UK fan or a Louisville fan? Like we instantly categorize people by the way that we see them. But here's what we must see from 2 Corinthians 5 if we're going to be a true ambassador of Christ is that the gospel changes how you see people. Because of what grace has done in your own heart, because of the love of Christ that controls you, you should see people differently. I mean, the truth is, if you don't have new eyes to see people you don't have a new heart that's been changed. 
If you don't have new eyes to see people, you don't have a new heart that's been changed. One of the most startling pictures I've ever seen in my life came from a church sanctuary. You think that's crazy, right? Yeah, one of the saddest pictures came from a church with a banner across the top of it that said, Jesus saves. Wait, that doesn't seem strange. Isn't that what a church is supposed to be all about? What's the big deal, pastor? Well, the problem was not the banner. The problem was what was underneath the banner. Take a look. I think we have the picture. Do we have the picture? Nope, we don't have the picture. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't have the picture. Okay. So underneath in this picture, it's a black and white old photos from the 60s or the 50s. And under this banner that says Jesus saves is a KKK rally in the middle of a church taking place at, in the sanctuary of God's, where God's people are supposed to come to worship, a KKK rally with Jesus saves above the ceiling. Listen, if the gospel doesn't change the way you see people, the gospel hasn't changed your heart. And there's no way you can convince me that, that those people rally, having a rally of hate in a worship service love Jesus at all. And I really mean that. You can't tell me that they could say the love of Christ controls me like Paul. Their heart's not full of love. Their heart is full of hate. Listen, the, the worst judgment that we can make about people, the worst categories we can make about people is whether or not they're savable. Could this person be saved or not? We can say things like, you know what, maybe you say this about some friends or relatives or people you work with, you know what? They'll never change. They'll never be different. That person, they're a lost cause. Why, why would I even try to share with them? I mean, the worst thing we can say is really, I don't think Jesus could save that person. I don't think Jesus could change them because we're not only saying that their sin is too great, we're saying that our Savior is too small. Brothers and sisters, all of us are the type of people Jesus saves because Jesus saves sinners. And we're all sinners who are in desperate need of a Savior. The banner of that sanctuary, the banner they got 100% right. Jesus does save. The question is, do we believe it? Do we really believe with all our hearts that Jesus can save anyone, anytime, anywhere? That Jesus has the power to save any sinner from their sins? Do you believe that no sinner is too sinful that the power of Jesus cannot overcome it? Do you believe that you're lost Child is not too far gone. Your friend is not too far out of the reach of God's powerful grace. 
Do you believe that the dead heart of your family member can be made alive in Christ? Do you believe that the gospel is, as Romans 1 says, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who will believe it? Here's the only category that you and I should see people. The only category should be, that should be in our mind or heart is, are they in Christ or are they not? Go ahead and get rid of every other category that's ever been in your heart or in your mind. If you're a believer in Christ, here's the category. Are they in Christ or are they not? Do they know Jesus as their Savior, as their King, as their treasure like you, or do they not? Are they a sinner who needs grace or are they a sinner who's been saved by grace? It's the only categories, categories. It's the only way we should see the world. It's the only way Paul saw people around him. I mean, look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is true for every single person in the world. Either they're a part of the new creation that the resurrection has brought, or they're not. Either the resurrection of Jesus Christ has broken through their heart so that they're alive in him, or they're not. They're still dead in their sin. And what we have to do, what we must do to see them differently, we have to see them differently if we're ever going to engage them intentionally. We must see them like Paul would see them, like Jesus would see them, so that we might love with compassion. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, Weight of Glory. There are no ordinary people You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn he says, we must play, but our merriment must be of that kind, and that is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. C.S. Lewis says, you've never met an, a mere mortal. Everybody you come across is an eternal soul that will either spend eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. And as one author said, they won't be in hell because they're not like you. They're actually be in hell because they are just like you. Except you have received Jesus. And you have the Jesus that will rescue them from hell that they might come to know him forever. And live with him forever. So does the gospel, how does the gospel change how you see people? 
Second of all, the gospel should change not only how we see people, but how we see ourselves. Look at verse 18 and 19. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, he says, we are ambassadors of Christ. If I had to guess, I bet the last way that you see yourself this morning, if I just ask, describe yourself, tell me about yourself, probably the last thing that you would say about yourself is that you were an enemy of God or that you ever were an enemy of God. Am I right? Is that, that's probably not the first thing that comes to your mind. Would you ever think that you were hostile to God, that there was enmity, anger between you and the holy God of heaven? This is exactly how the Bible describes sinners before they come to faith in Christ. We weren't just sinners who made mistakes. We were rebels rebelling against the king of kings. You have to see that that's who you, were, who you are if you're not in Christ or who you were before you came to Christ. You weren't a sinner who just made a couple mistakes. You were a rebel who rebelled against the king of kings, the king of heaven. And yet this is the amazing grace of the gospel. Yes, we were sinners who deserved eternity in hell. We were rebels who deserved the righteous and just wrath of God because of our rebellion. But instead of giving us what we deserve, Jesus gives us grace. Jesus gives us what we don't deserve. Jesus takes rebels who've rebelled against his right rule, and the Bible says he makes us his friend. He takes rebels who rebelled against his rule, and he makes you his friend. That's the work of reconciliation. Might want to circle that word in your Bible, the work of reconciliation. And it's the work that God does to reconcile you to himself. I don't know if you knew this, but every time reconciliation is mentioned in the New Testament, God's the active agent. God's the one doing the work. Not you. God's the one doing it to bring you to himself. Is that not incredible grace? I, I know the hours got y'all all messed up this morning, but this is incredible grace. Incredible grace. We were the ones who sinned against him. Like we, we were the ones who rebelled against him, yet we didn't meet him halfway. Like we didn't take the first step. We didn't move towards him first and beg him to forgive us. No, the Bible says he reconciled us. He's the one who did the work. Look at this phrase in verse 18. Paul says, all this is from God. Praise the Lord. All this is from God. 
It's not your work. You didn't do it. You didn't meet him halfway. All this is from God. When we were still sinners, when we were still active rebels, when we were never going to change on our own, God the Father sent Jesus Christ, his son, to reconcile us to himself, to make us his friends. It's amazing. All because of the cross of Jesus, he doesn't count your trespasses against you anymore. He doesn't even remember your rebellion anymore. When he sees you, all he sees is his friend. What amazing grace. What incredible grace that when the holy God sees you who were a sinner, he now sees you as his dear friend. I mean, one thing that this should do in our hearts one way this should change how we deal with other people. No one in your life has ever wronged you the way that you've wronged the King of Kings. No one in your life deserves your wrath, your punishment, your frustration, your silent treatment that you give them. No one in your life deserves that like you deserve it from the God of heaven the holy God of heaven. Yet, if God does the reconciling with you, if a holy God can make the first move towards you, how could we withhold grace from one another? How in the world should we wait to make the first move when our God reconciled us to himself? But just when you thought that God's grace was amazing, just when you're like, Lance, can we sing? We can go ahead and sing, right? It gets better. I know you might not believe me, but it's going to get better because he doesn't just make his enemies his friends. But his reconciling grace makes his new friends his ambassadors. That's incredible. His he makes his new friends, by his grace, his empowered ambassadors. Look at verse 18. It says that everyone God reconciles to himself, he gives the ministry of reconciliation. Anybody that's been reconciled to God now has a ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, he says that those who are rebels have now been entrusted with. This message of reconciliation. You, you are to steward this good news that changed your heart and steward it to give it to others. Verse 20 says that your identity now is an ambassador of Christ. We are, he says, ambassadors for Christ. Is that not unbelievable? I mean, is that not... Incredible. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. Because that is incredible. I mean, it's like this. Just picture this with me. It's like you were a member of a terrorist group. That's who you were before Christ. You're a member of a terrorist group trying to overthrow the king of kings. 
And everything in your heart hates the king. Everything in your heart wants to disobey the king, wants to rebel against his rule. And you plan and you do everything you, get, you can to plot, to sneak into his castle, to overthrow the king. To overthrow the king and to take over his rightful throne. Yet as you approach the throne room, as you approach the king, you are not met with his wrath. You are met with grace. You are surprised by joy. You are overwhelmed by his love, and all you can do is just lay your weapons down. All you can do is lay your weapons down at your feet as he calls you friend, and not just friend. You're going to walk back out of that castle, castle as an entrusted and empowered ambassador of the king. That's what the gospel has done in your life. You who were an enemy of God have been made a friend because of his reconciliation. And you who have been reconciled have now been given the message of reconciliation. That you might be an ambassador for Christ. Is that how you see yourself? If you're a Christian today, is that how you see yourself? It sounds crazy. It sounds unbelievable, but that is the good news of the gospel. You should see yourself this morning as a dear friend of the Lord and as an ambassador of his. The finally, the way the gospel should change the way we speak to people. So not just the way we see everybody around us, not just the way we see ourselves, but it should start changing what we talk about. It should start changing the conversations we're having at work and the way we engage our neighbor over the fence. And when we go into a restaurant and we talk to a waiter or a waitress or we talk to a relative at Thanksgiving, it should change the conversations we have. Now, an ambassador, maybe you know this already, but an ambassador is someone who represents a kingdom. Someone who speaks for a king or a president or a ruler of a foreign land. So they don't go to a foreign country. They don't go to a foreign land bringing their own message to deliver. They don't go to a foreign country on their own authority, on their own power. No, they go commissioned by the king. Like if I was to go to Italy today, like on my own dime, simply because I wanted to go to Italy and I were to go to like the, the most busy public square, maybe outside of the Vatican, somewhere in Rome, the, the most busy public square, and I was to get a soapbox and I was supposed to get up on it with a megaphone. And in that megaphone, I declared, I love your all spaghetti. Like, it would literally mean nothing. It would have no weight behind it whatsoever. There'd be nothing to my words. I'm just a dude from Kentucky that likes Fazoli's. 
It would mean nothing to them. They'd be like, what's Fazoli's? I have no idea. Try the breadsticks, I would tell them. But if I were to go on behalf of the President of the United States, bearing his seal as an ambassador for the United States, I promise you my message would carry the same weight, the same authority as if he was there himself. That's what it means to be an ambassador of the U.S., to to carry the weight, the authority of the United States, of the president. And this is what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. It means that we speak as ambassadors of Christ himself, as though Christ himself were here speaking through us. It's the same as if Jesus was standing here today commanding sinners, be reconciled to God. Come to me, all you who are weary and laden, and I will give you rest. Today, you can become a friend of the King of Kings through what I did for you on the cross. Isn't that exactly what Paul says in verse 20? We're not speaking by our own authority or power. Listen to verse 20 again. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And listen to this phrase. God making his appeal through us. Wow. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. We plead with you. We beg you. Be reconciled to God. God is speaking through his word to you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. The Bible says that you are an enemy of God. You are separated from God because of your sin. Your sin is actually an act of treason. You're rebelling against the king of kings himself, and you deserve God's wrath. You deserve God's judgment. In fact, it's just grace that you're sitting here today and not in hell. I don't say that lightly. It's just grace that you still have time right now and God's patience is still with you to repent. Yet God the Father sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you so your sins could be forgiven forever, so you could no longer be a rebel against the king but a friend forever. So don't hear me saying it this morning. Hear God saying to you this morning, be reconciled to me. Be reconciled to me. Going back to that story, God is saying, put the weapon down. Quit hardening your heart. Turn to me in repentance and faith. I don't stand here this morning as an ambassador bringing bad news today. I come with the best news that you can be reconciled to God. If you would just turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. There was one verse in the Bible that summarizes this good news. This good news of the gospel, it's verse 21. 
I would say this might be the best verse in the Bible that summarizes the gospel. If you're, if you're an ambassador here this morning, you probably want to memorize verse 21. Basically, I just said, if you're a Christian, you want to memorize verse 21 this morning. It says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message that we share with sinners. That's the hope of the gospel. It's what theologians have called the great exchange. It's what happened on the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross, the father treated his son who never sinned once, who never sinned in his actions, who never sinned in his thoughts, who never sinned in his words, who never sinned in his motives. Instead, he actually says, I always did or I always do what is pleasing to the Father. Yet on the cross, he treated Jesus as a rebel because he was bearing all of your sins for you. That's the great exchange that took place on the cross. Jesus took all your sins upon himself. And the exchange is you get all his perfect, spotless righteousness. You get all his perfect, spotless righteousness. Jesus becomes a substitute to die in your place so that you can become a perfect son. Think about that. Jesus was treated like a rebel so that you could be a son, a daughter of the king. I love what John MacArthur says. He says, at the cross, God treated Jesus like he lived your life so that he could treat you like you lived his. At the cross, God treated Jesus like he lived your life so that he could treat you like you live Jesus' life. This is the good news of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus that saves us from our sins and makes enemies friends. It's the good news that we share as ambassadors of Christ. The friend of sinners wants to make you his friend. The final two verses say this in verses one through two. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, and he quotes Isaiah 49, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're not a Christian here today, don't delay another day. Don't delay another hour, another moment, another second. For God's word says that now is the time of salvation. Now is the time for you to turn from your sins and place all your trust in Jesus. Now is the time to put all your hope in the one who bore all your sins like he was a rebel so that you could be clothed in his perfect righteousness as his son. Now is the day. 
Maybe this is your first day here and you've never turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus. I'm going to invite you to do that today. Maybe you've been coming here for years and pretending to be a follower of Jesus. Turn from your sins today for the first time ever maybe and put your faith, your trust, collapse all your hope in Jesus. And if you're a Christian here today, you are an ambassador of Christ. So don't delay. You shouldn't delay either. Now is the day of salvation. Don't delay any longer to tell your sister, to tell your parents, to tell your grandfather, to tell your friends, to tell your coworkers, to tell your neighbor the good news that they might be enemies right now, but they can become friends of God through Jesus Christ. My prayer this morning is that we would see people differently, that we would see ourselves differently, and that we would speak this good news as ambassadors of Christ, that others might come to know Jesus. Christ fellowship. We have a city that doesn't know Jesus. And the word says, now is the day of salvation. We have three billion people in the world who if they died today, they would have been born, lived their whole lives, and died without hearing the name of Jesus. And yet God has made us ambassadors to tell them that Jesus has come to make them his friend. As Carl Henry once said, it's only good news if it gets there on time. Let's go as ambassadors for Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today by the power of your spirit, that Lord, first, you would work in our hearts that we might treasure and trust Jesus that with his, his great love for us as sinners, his great love that made enemies friends, Lord, that it would overwhelm our hearts and that we would be controlled by the love of Christ. Lord, if someone's here today that doesn't know the love of Christ, that, that's an enemy of yours, Lord, that you want to reconcile to yourself, Lord, do it for your glory. Draw them to yourself. Lord, call them to repent and to trust in you today. Lord, but for all those who are in Christ, Lord, I pray, oh, Lord, that you would fill us with, with joy, that you would fill us with gladness, Lord, that we can be called a friend of a holy God, not because we're not sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace, sinners saved by Jesus, sinners who have now been made friends. But, Lord, I pray that you would Help every Christian here today to leave here seeing they're not just a friend. They're not just a Christian. They're an ambassador for Christ. So fill them with your spirit, Lord, that you might get the glory of saving sinners through us and that we might get the joy of being your ambassadors. Lord, you do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.